All right, let's get into scripture. Um, we've been going through the book of Revelation. You know, I took a break for Passover and Hanukkah, and we looked at those themes for quite a while, but now we're back into the book. And I want to talk about the sixth trumpet from Revelation chapter 9. Then the, first, then the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, Release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. So the four angels who had been prepared for the hour, day, month, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. Now the number of the army of horsemen was 200 million. I heard the number of them. One of the things I noticed about this passage of scripture is we have a geographical indicator. We know where this is happening. It says by the Euphrates River. And so I went online and I looked up a map of the Euphrates River. And check this out. Look at this, the countries it runs through. Turkey, Syria, and Iraq. So here we are in a book of the Bible that was written 2,000 years ago. Talking about our future, the end times... And Turkey, Syria, and Iraq are mentioned. You don't hear them in the news nowadays at all, do you? Every day they're in the news. Everything that's going on in the world right now is centered around that area. Gee, what a coincidence that the Bible chose those three countries to talk about the end times. It makes me wonder how close we really are to these events that they're featuring in the news. And I mean they're featuring big so I look up the map, and while I'm looking for the map, I find this newspaper article. A new Turkish aggression against Syria. Ankara suspends pumping Euphrates water. Published Friday, May 30th, 2014. Here's what it says. The Turkish government recently cut off the flow of the Euphrates River, threatening primarily Syria, but also Iraq with a major water crisis. Al-Akbar found out that the water level in Lake Assad has dropped by about six meters, leaving millions of Syrians without drinking water. Well, that's interesting, Steve. Oh, it gets much more interesting than that. Listen to what Revelation chapter 16, 12 says about the Euphrates River. Then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river Euphrates, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Whoa! The book of Revelation says that the Euphrates River is going to be dried up to make the way for the kings of the east. And we've got, right now, people in Turkey drying up the Euphrates River. Well, I can't imagine that the river can dry up in an hour. It takes a little bit of effort, build a few dams, get practice a few times, and be ready. It's as if we're seeing the dry run, the dress rehearsal for the drying up of the Euphrates River. Maybe, I don't know. But it sure seems like it to me. It's amazing what's going on right now. So if you take the trumpets and the bowls and try to lay them out chronologically, it doesn't work. Even though they happen one after the other in the book of Revelation, it doesn't work. They seem to be melded, like the bowls are happening when the trumpets are happening when, that are happening when the seals are breaking, as if these, all these events go together. And that being the case, it's not hard at all to see Revelation chapter 16 tying to Revelation chapter 9. We've got the Euphrates River mentioned once. 
In one instance, it says there's an army of 200 million. And in the other instance, it says, make a way for the kings of the east. So to think that the ways of the kings of the east is for an army of 200 million makes sense. Can I be certain? No, but it makes sense. 200 million. The world has never seen an army anywhere near that size. As far as we know, the biggest army, the biggest military force that has ever been gathered was the United States of America's World War II military. Our armed services had 12 million people in service during World War II. And that, I think, includes uh, the support personnel. 12 million. That was the world's largest army. This one's going to be 200 million. And that's the military portion, the fighters. It's unbelievable. What do we have in this country right now, including men, women, children, babies, infants, senior citizens, somewhere around 300 million? It's as if everybody in our country just empties out and goes to war. It's insane number of people. That picture there, I think that might be Normandy or something, just to give you an idea of what a very large military force looks like. But that military force ain't nothing compared to the army of the kings of the east. Some people think, well, they're coming from the east. China is one of the biggest countries in the world. They've got like a billion people. They can man or field an army of 200 million people. So it must be a Chinese army. It's conceivable. Right now, we're, we're not very friendly with China. They seem to be aggressive and dangerous and communist, and we could see them fielding an army that size. But I talked to a guy from India, he says, what about India? We're as big as China. I said, yeah, you could field an army of 200 million too. I don't want to say this is Chinese, this is Indian, especially because it says the kings of the East, plural. So I doubt it's one country. This is probably a confederacy of Eastern powers who are gathering together. And it seems using the Euphrates River as a highway. And where would they be going? Probably heading towards Israel. I don't know. I just know that that area is a hotbed of activity right now. Right now, as I speak, chaos is happening over in that area. Okay, so we've got this army of 200 million. Two options. This is symbolic or this is literal. When you're dealing with the book of Revelation, you can't always be certain which is which. In the same chapter, I think it was, we were talking about the, those locust hordes that come out of hell that look, they say they're locusts, but they got like lion's teeth and face of a woman and tails like a scorpion. And, and we know that's not literal. And that's a, a horde. So maybe this horde isn't literal. Maybe it's symbolic of something going on in the spiritual world. Maybe it's, it's you know, this is God pouring out his wrath. Maybe this is just some picture of the heavenlies. It is four angels bound at the river Euphrates, and they release the army, so maybe it's a spiritual army. It's possible. It's not the interpretation I prefer, but I wanted to give that to you as an option. I think it's a real army. But when you look at the description of the army, you go back to the symbolic. Listen to the description. I'm in verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and those who sat on them 
had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, and sulfur yellow. And the heads of the horses were like the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. And by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. So some people would say, Steve, obviously this can't be literal. No, it's not literal. It's symbolic, but symbolic of what? It could be symbolic of something in the heavenlies, or it could be symbolic of something that John didn't know how to explain, but you and I could, like modern mechanized warfare. A creature that spews sulfur out of its mouth and its tail stings like a scorpion. Maybe the sulfur out of its mouth refers to the cannon on a tank and the tail refers to the machine gunner. Who knows? It's very possible that it was symbolic, but symbolic of modern mechanized warfare. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails are like serpents having heads and with them they do harm. So I can't tell you. I have no idea what this is but those are the two biggest options. It's symbolic of something we don't know what, or it's symbolic of modern mechanized warfare. Don't know, it's debatable, and so we'll move on. One thing is for sure, these are gonna be dark days. One third of humanity is going to be destroyed. And this is supposedly already after what we've seen destroyed in the other uh, trumpets and in the other seals dark, dark days. However, to me, what I found most, at least applicable to us, is in verses 20 and 21. The rest of mankind who are not killed by these plagues did not repent of the work of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, or their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. Okay, so God is shown as pouring out his wrath upon humanity. And the wrath seems to be coming, at least through this one trumpet, through warfare. Which is, again, God is sovereign, so he could use that as his means if he wants. Third of mankind will be killed. What are their sins? Why is he so mad at them? Five are mentioned. Of course, there's many more. But the fact that these five are mentioned, and only these five, means we should pay special close attention to them. So here are the five sins that are mentioned. The first one is idolatry. That would be the second commandment. You should not make idols or bow down and worship them. Second one is murder. That would be the sixth commandment. You shall not commit murder. The third one is sorceries. This one does not tie to one of the Ten Commandments, but it does tie to God's law elsewhere. The fourth one is sexual immorality. That can tie to the Ten Commandments. One type of sexual immorality is mentioned in the Ten Commandments. That's adultery. You shall not commit adultery. That's the Seventh Commandment. And then the fifth sin is theft. The Eighth Commandment, you shall not steal. So out of the five major sins that are pointed out in this chapter that the end times are going to be known for, Three, four of them are from the Ten Commandments. The only odd one is sorcery. By the way, sexual immorality is rampant. And I'm sure it's going to get worse 
because right now the Supreme Court is going to decide whether every nation, I mean, every state in this country is going to be forced to accept gay marriage. And we're just moving in the wrong direction all the time. You know, it used to be adultery was illegal. And now it's like, you know, it's the flavor of the month. So sexual, I, I blogged on it a few weeks ago. If you're part of my email list, you got that. If not, you know, if you want to get on it, let me know and I'll put you on the email list. Uh, you just have to sign up on our website. But this one, sorceries, the new international version translates it as magic arts. The international standard version translates it as witchcraft. So most scholars are in agreement that this is some sort of magic, voodoo or something. In our country, we don't put a lot of stock in magic even though Wicca is now a state-sanctioned religion and you can be Wicca and have a Wiccan chaplain in the military. Nevertheless, witchcraft and the occult practices in our country are still looked at kind of out of the corner of our eye. But in most countries of the world, witch doctors, shamans, gurus, they're highly feared and highly respected. We have a tendency to look at the end times through American eyes. Maybe we shouldn't do that because sorcery is still a big problem in this world and it's gonna get worse. Especially when the false prophet and the antichrist start doing all their tricks. They're gonna really popularize witchcraft and voodoo and all those kind of weird, bizarre things. But what makes this word so fascinating to me is what it really is in the Greek. It's not magic in the Greek. It's pharmakia, from which we get our word pharmacy. This could have been translated as idolatry, murder, drug use, sexual immorality, and theft. And boy, if it is translated as drug use, that would really peg our country. I mean, you think of these five sins. Is idolatry big? Think, Steve, not in America. Well, one of the biggest religions in America has idols in their places of worship and bows down and prays to them. And in India, Idolatry is, is the, you know, it's the rule of the land. And India is one of the most populated countries on the planet. Them and China. So idolatry is huge now, let alone in the end times. Think about it. Let's say there was somebody you knew. No, let's make it a stranger. It makes the story better. Stranger who needs a kidney. And so you find out that this guy needs a kidney. And you think, you know, I got two. You know what, I'm going to give this guy my kidney. And so you go, you talk to the doctor, and you, you're a match, and you go through the surgery, and they rip out your kidney. And you go through the pain and the discomfort and the fear that maybe your other kidney will fail, and someday you'll be kidneyless, and you might need a kidney. But nevertheless, you take that amazing risk, and you give a total stranger your kidney. Now the stranger finds out so what the stranger does is he fashions a little guy out of Play-Doh and thanks it and starts praising the little Play-Doh guy for giving him a kidney. How would you feel? A little shafted maybe? God made the heavens and the earth and he sent his son. He didn't give us a kidney. He gave us his life. And he didn't do it just for strangers. He did it for enemies. And what do we do? We fashion a little animal and we pray to it and thank it and praise it. It's not right. Idolatry. Murder. Well, Steve, at least we don't have a lot of murder in our country. You're laughing. It could be a lot worse. 
I don't know about you all, but there's parts of town I'm afraid to walk in. Let me rephrase that. There's no part of town I'm not afraid to walk in. And what about abortion? Stops a beating heart. Millions upon millions, and that's just our country. What about all the other countries? Sorcery. Don't know. Is it drug use? I'm sure glad Colorado legalized marijuana to lead the way for the rest of us. I kind of chuckle when I see Border Patrol sees a billion dollars worth of marijuana. I'm thinking, great, sell it to Colorado and we can fund Border Patrol. <laughs> it's crazy what's going on out there, just crazy. Sexual immorality, I told you I just blogged on it a few weeks ago. Theft. Well, I think out of the five, theft seems to be the only one left that people have a problem with. It's not socially acceptable yet to steal. Unless, of course, you're an elected official. That's another story. <laughs> all right, so I guess all I'm trying to tell you is that these five huge sins that are mentioned in the end times, they're, they're today. Not much is different. I think it's only a matter of degree, not a matter of what we're doing. So we've got the drying up of the Euphrates River We've got Iran, Iraq, Syria featuring in the news. We've got the five biggest sins are part of our culture, except theft. People often ask me, Steve, do you think we're in the end times? And here's what I tell them. I say, well, technically the end times started when Jesus came. Scripture plainly says, you are in the end times. Children, these are the end times. It says that. But I don't think that that's what they mean. I think they mean, are we at the end of the end? Are we at that time period in the book of Revelation? No. So how close do you think we are? I think we're this close. That close. I could be wrong. I'm just telling you what I think. I think looking at how in 20 years, the Temple Mount Institute went from being some weird fringe group to being extremely popular, how culture can change that fast, how a Muslim imam can be calling for the building of a house of worship on the Temple Mount itself when Muslims and Arabs hate Jews so much, when the Euphrates River is starting to get dried up for political purposes. I don't know, man. I think we're getting pretty close. I want to read you one more passage of scripture and I'll be done. It's a passage of scripture about the end days, what it's going to look like on planet Earth during the end days. And as I read this to you, you answer in yourself if you think we're close. It's from 2 Timothy. Here's what it says. You can be certain that in the last days there will be some very hard times. People will love only themselves and money. They will be proud, stuck up, rude, and disobedient to their parents. They'll also be ungrateful and godless, heartless and hateful. Their words will be cruel, and they'll have no self-control or pity. These people will hate everything that is good. They'll be sneaky, reckless, and puffed up with pride. Instead of loving God, they'll love pleasure. And even though they'll make a show of being religious, the religion won't be real. Don't have anything to do with such people. 
You think we're there? When I thought about it, I thought, no, I don't think we're there. I think I see some of this stuff going on. Too much of it to make me happy, but not as bad as it looks like it is in Second Timothy. That's my perspective, but then again, I'm an optimist. Some of this stuff is really, though, people being arrogant, stuck up, rude, disobedience to their parents, ungrateful, godless, heartless, having no pity. If you're my Facebook friend, you saw the post I put on there. There was a kid in New York. It was five degrees. And he had, I don't think he had shoes on. He didn't have a jacket on. And he was holding a sign asking for help on a very busy street. And it was like a five-minute video or so, ten-minute video of people just walking by. Now, I understand. I lived in Chicago. Homeless people everywhere. Sometimes you got to step over them laying on the sidewalk, even in the winter. You can't help them all. Some of them don't even want help. Some of them are there because they want to be there. But this was a kid. How could people walk by that kid? How could they do that? And I was thinking, how could the guys filming this have that kid standing out there in five degrees this long? Just for the film. That's too cold. That's, that's de- dangerous cold. And then a guy says, hey, little buddy, you out here all alone? Where's your parents? Took off his jacket, put him on him. He said, I know it's hard. I'm homeless too. It was a homeless guy who took off his jacket and helped the kid. While all the moms and dads and aunts and uncles with well-paying jobs walked by. Heartless, no pity. Do you think we're there yet? I don't think so, maybe you do, but I think we're getting close. So just to sum it all up, Revelation chapter nine shows us about the state of the world when God judges it. It'll be morally bankrupt and physically bankrupt. The sixth trumpet will sound the death knell of one third of the population. Dark days are coming. But you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your lights shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I'm going to close with a quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. The world's heading for the pit. Our job is to pour as much love on it as we can until Yeshua, Jesus, takes us home. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, help us not to be the heartless ones. Help us not to be the hardened-hearted ones. Not to be the ones who are stuck up, rude, and proud, who are hateful and use cruel words and have no self-control. No, no. Help us to be the people that love, the people who make a difference, those who are the light of the world. May we never be those who are idolatrous. May we never be those who practice sorcery. May we never be those who practice sexual fornication. May we never be those who murder. May we never be those who steal. Help us to be holy and godly that we might bring praise and honor to Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. And if you share that prayer with me, then say amen.